Hi team, hi rebels, mates, gov, hey gov, it's Ezra Levant here. I am saying all those British things because I'm actually off to the UK tomorrow to cover Tommy Robinson's one of his many trials. Um, but today I have a Canadian story with a bit of an American twist. Today I talk about the Associated Press, a massive newswire service that pumps news into literally thousands of American newspapers. Uh, and they're actually one of Facebook's official fact checkers, but they're damn liars. And I think I prove it pretty convincingly today. You tell me. Uh, by the way, uh, I know a lot of folks listen to the podcast where they can't watch TV. They're driving, they're taking the bus, whatever. They got something else on the go. They're cooking, maybe. But may I encourage you to consider buying a subscription to our TV version of the show? Uh, even if you can't watch it, boy, it's a good way to support us. It's eight bucks a month which isn't that bad. In fact, if you buy for a whole year in advance, you get it for 80 bucks, which is a discount, as you can tell. If you type in the coupon code podcast, you get even more money off. That's at therebel.media slash shows. You get this and you get Sheila Gunn Reed and David Menzies too. All right, without further ado, here's my show about the Associated Press and their fake news. And hey, if you like this, I'd be grateful if you gave it a good rating on uh, the podcast. All right, here you go. Tonight, an official fact-checking news agency makes up a completely fictional story about Justin Trudeau's SNC-Lavalin scandal. It's March 11th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. You've heard of the Associated Press, or AP, as it's also known. It's a massive news agency, a wire service, it's still called, even though we live in the wireless era. It's actually more than 150 years old. It's basically competitor news companies sharing stories amongst each other so they don't have to all send a reporter to cover any one particular event. There are other companies like it, Reuters, here in Canada, the Canadian Press, or CP as it's called. It makes sense commercially, but it's also a terribly homogenous view of the news. It's a bias magnifier. It's a competition destroyer because all the newspapers run the same thing written by one reporter. And because it's so much cheaper than each newspaper sending their own reporter to any given news event, it's so common. I bet the majority of what you read in a newspaper or listen to on the radio is from the great liberal fog machine of AP, CP, or Reuters. Here's an AP story about AP. A couple years ago, Facebook gets serious about fake news is the headline. So this was published one month after Donald Trump won the U.S. presidential election and the Democrats and the media and the Democrat media were trying to figure out how they lost when everyone, especially the super smart people, like here's the New York Times, saying Hillary Clinton was a 90% plus lock on winning. And besides the Russian hacking theory, they came up with the fake news excuse that people were just too stupid uh, to vote for Hillary uh, because they weren't reading the right news. And by that, I mean the left news. And by that, I mean news like the Associated Press. Here, let me read a bit from this AP story about how awesome AP is. Facebook, 
is taking new measures to curb the spread of fake news on its huge and influential social network. It will focus on the worst of the worst offenders and partner with outside fact-checkers and news organizations to sort honest news reports from made-up stories that play to people's passions and preconceived notions. Hey, do you trust Mark Zuckerberg to tell you what news is honest and what news isn't? Do you trust Mark Zuckerberg to re-engineer your perceptions of the world to get rid of your passions and preconceived notions. I have to say, I still find it hard to believe that Zuckerberg is not in jail. I think he's violated more people's privacy than every peeping Tom in history combined. He's been caught breaking the law pretty much every year. And every year he just says, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. He makes a few more political donations, hires a few more lobbyists, and it's all good. I never get tired of looking at this sweaty, shifty lizard here. Remember this? Do you feel like it's a backlash or do you feel like you're violating people's privacy? Do you, you feel like you're adequately portrayed as a, because I want to wonder about the person who actually created this thing. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, a lot of stuff happened, happened along the way. I think, um, you know, there were real learning points and turning points along the way in terms of, um, in terms of building things. Um, if I could, if I knew what I knew now then, then I hope I wouldn't have made those mistakes, but I can't go back and change the past. I can only do what we think is the right thing going forward. So, before we move off this privacy thing, and I thought that was a fascinating right, it's answer. okay. You want to take off the hoodie? No, I never take off the hoodie. I know you don't. What's with that? There's a group of women in the audience that wish you would. No, uh, no. Girls? Whoa. All right. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah. So naturally, that most trustworthy of men, Mark Zuckerberg, chose the Associated Press, AP, to be part of his censorship panel. Let me read some more from the story. The social network will make it easier for users to report fake news when they see it, which they'll be able to do in two steps, not three. If enough people report a story as fake, Facebook will pass it to third-party fact-checking organizations that are part of the nonprofit Pointer Institute's International Fact-Checking Network. <laughs> Five fact-checking and news organizations are working with Facebook on this. ABC News, the Associated Press, factcheck.org, Political Fact, and Snopes. Facebook says this group is likely to expand. Oh, got it. So ABC, whose chief political correspondent just happens to be George Stephanopoulos, formerly Bill Clinton's right-hand man. That sounds like it'll be nonpartisan. Or Snopes, which is a weird homemade blog that calls itself a fact checker, but it's been revealed to be a homemade blog run by a left-wing activist, and they spend their money on, well, according to this Daily Mail report, they're being discredited. They weirdly use their revenue for, um, yeah, prostitutes and, and, and porn stars and things. So yeah, uh, that's, that's who's in charge of the truth, folks. Anyways, both ABC and Snopes have since quit, but the Associated Press continues to be the gold standard for Facebook to censor other opinions. Let me read just one more line from the AP story about how awesome AP is. Stories that flunk the fact check won't be removed from Facebook, but they'll be publicly flagged as disputed, which will force them to appear lower down in people's newsfeed. Users can click on a link to learn why that is, and if people decide they want to share the story with friends anyway, they can, but they'll get another warning. <laughs> yeah, wow. So AP, which like I say is simply a collection of journalists. They're not saints, they're not priests, they're not experts. And what's an expert on the news anyways? Aren't, 
aren't you the expert on news? Aren't all of us, each of us, in our own way, each of us gets to make our own choices, whether you like a left-wing slant or a right-wing slant or no slant, or if you just want to ignore the news altogether and watch sports. Anyways, I, I wanted to tell you the background about the Associated Press and how they claim to be the most accurate people in the world, so accurate that they will tell their rivals, their competitors really, that they're not accurate, and that Mark Zuckerberg will literally interrupt your news reading experience to force you to read an objection, a rebuttal from the AP, and you have to keep clicking on buttons and say, yeah, you really do want to read the news site that Associated Press says is a lie. We all know how we are on the internet. We're impatient. There's so much out there that's fast and free. We expect it to be fast. We expect websites to load in less than a second. We hate it when there's a pop-up ad we have to close. We hate it when we have to enter any information like our name or fill out a form. So I bet half the point of putting in all those extra steps when the AP flags a story as fake is not to try to convince you that AP is right and your conservative news site is wrong, but just to make it such a hassle that you'll just abandon it and you won't actually click through. And then there's the weirdness of it. It's like when your website says there's a security risk on a site, you just skip it. That's what they're trying to do here. That's the AP Zuckerberg trick. They're both shifty. Okay, so to the news of the day. We've all been talking about the SNC-Lavalin scandal for a month now. It's the biggest scandal to rock Trudeau since he joined Parliament. First, Jody Wilson-Raybould, his former Attorney General, resigned. That's huge. Then his best friend and his longest-serving assistant, Gerald Butts, resigned. That's huge. Then Jane Philpott, regarded as one of the most competent cabinet ministers, resigned in solidarity with Jody Wilson-Raybould. That's huge. This thing is real. Even if Trudeau keeps doing that weird thing where he blames the victim, where he gaslights him, you know what that phrase gaslight means. It means to tell someone, oh, you're crazy. No, 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 he, he never did that to you. It's all in your mind. That's called gaslighting. That's what he did to Rose Knight, the young reporter in Creston, BC, that he sexually assaulted in the year 2000. He said this. That the same interactions could be experienced very differently from one person to the next. And I am not going to speak for the, the woman in question. I would never presume to speak for her. Uh, but I know that uh, there is an awful lot of reflection to be had as we move forward as a society on how people perceive different interactions. Um, like I said, uh, I do not feel that I acted inappropriately uh, in any way, uh, but I respect uh, the fact that someone else might have experienced that differently. I respect her right to have a, you know what? That's a nice way of calling someone a liar. You're telling them they didn't experience it. It's, it's imaginary. That's exactly what Trudeau and Butts are saying now about Jody Wilson-Raybould. So yeah, huge scandal, it's not going away. For the first time ever, it's really denting Trudeau's polls. The India trip fiasco didn't do that. The Chinese fiasco with their hostages didn't do that. The Saudi fiasco, the NAFTA renegotiations fiasco, all these fiascos, they never really pulled his numbers down. But this one is, I mean, look at how manic he looks. This is him trying to look like everything's totally fine. It's totally fine at a rally the other day. Are there any liberals in the house? Holy moly. Whoa. That reminds me of this. We've never seen you behave this way before. I know. Have you ever felt this way before? 
You are gone. Yeah, it is a little manic. So what do the fact checkers at the Associated Press have to say? What's, what's their big briefing to their American audience? Remember, they're mainly an American outfit. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is engulfed in a scandal in which nothing illegal has happened and no financial or sexual misconduct is alleged, but the follow could topple him in the elections this fall, AP's R. Gillies reports. Really? N nothing illegal? No nothing wrong? That's what the tweet says. Here's the story when you click on through. Canada's no sex, no money scandal could topple Trudeau by Rob Gillies. Oh, really? Let me read a little bit from this Associated Press story. There's no money, no sex, and nothing illegal happened. This is what passes for a scandal in Canada. <laughs> yeah, those small-time Canadians. Nothing to see here, unless you're some hayseed from tiny little Canada. <laughs> and can we talk about the real criminal, Donald Trump? I'm not even kidding. That's their next sentence. U.S. President Donald Trump has been engulfed in allegations involving possible collusion with Russia and secret payments to buy the silence of a porn star. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is facing a controversy that seems trivial by comparison, but could topple him in the elections later this year. Got it. Trump is engulfed. He's engulfed in allegations, um, but it's Saint Trudeau who's paying the price. The world is so cruel. But is any of that true? This is going to thousands of American outlets. AP writes, nothing illegal happened. But uh, hang on, how do they know? The matter hasn't been investigated yet, not by the Mounties, not by an independent inquiry, not even by Trudeau's own lapdog, the hand-picked ethics counselor. The parliamentary committee hearings, uh, as limited as they are, they're not, they're not even done yet. And you'll recall the liberals on that committee voted against asking the prime minister's office to release internal memos on the matter. But to the AP and what, the 2,300 newspapers they serve? Oh, they've seen enough. Nothing illegal has happened here, people. <laughs> what is he doing in the uniform, General Hogan, please? Oh, you went too far. I must report this. It would be worth my life if I do not report this. It's only until tomorrow, and he's going to take it off again. Uh, After he steals the tank. Oh? From the Panzer Division. Oh? brings it here into the barrel. Oh, I see nothing. I was not here. I did not even get up this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's the Hogan's Heroes version. Remember that old show? And then there's the David Lametti version of Hogan's Heroes. What was that guy's name? Was Schultz. Um, here's Trudeau's new attorney general. Can you see the resemblance? Part of that but if decision. someone approached what you I can and say, said an election well, is at stake, would that be a persuasive well, argument to you? It, 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 again, it depends on the context. The, the leading case from so wait, the UK... Sorry, just to stop well, the there, leading, an no, election leading, could be a reason for an attorney general to interfere it, 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 in a criminal prosecution. That would be appropriate. I'm not saying it would be appropriate or inappropriate. But on the face of it, there actually has been a crime. Sorry to tell the AP that. Section 139 of the Criminal Code says everyone who willfully attempts in any manner to obstruct, pervert, or defeat the course of justice in a judicial proceeding is liable for up to 10 years in prison. Trudeau's office interfered 20 times, according to Jody Wilson-Rabel. 10 meetings, 10 phone calls, plus texts and emails. And the pressure continued even after she had made her decision to prosecute. The AP says, quote, no financial or sexual misconduct is alleged. Really? On what planet? 
Of course, SNC-Lavalin paid $48 million in illegal bribes in Libya. And as this chilling story here shows, their bribery is pretty much everywhere they work, including right here in Canada, where they corrupted public bids on bridges, hospitals, anything. They, they were treating Canada like a banana republic. Oh, and no sex, that's what the AP said. In fact, SNC-Lavalin spent millions of dollars for prostitutes, porn, and wild parties for Saadi Gaddafi. That's the son of Muammar Gaddafi. Uh, this was part of their bribery. Here's how Trudeau handled that question in Parliament. This is what SNC's intervention looked like. $30,000 worth of Canadian prostitutes given to Muammar Gaddafi's son. This is the so-called victimless crime that our woke feminist prime minister is moving mountains Whoa. to cover up. When did the Prime Minister learn that SNC-Lavalin paid for prostitutes for Muammar Gaddafi's son? Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, every step of the way, we will stand up for Canadian workers. We will stand up for good jobs right across this country. And we will do so in a way that is consistent with our values, with our expectations, and with the rule of law. Yeah. Let me keep, keep reading a little bit from the AP story. People south of the border would be astonished to think that this is the type of scandal that they have in Canada, said Eddie Goldenberg, a former advisor to former PM Jean Chrétien. Now, most Canadians would know that Chrétien was a liberal, like Trudeau is, so Eddie Goldenberg is just defending his lifelong party. It's not really surprising, but few Americans would know that. Remember, this story was written for Americans, the thousands of newspapers that pick up AP wire copy. So the first person they quote defending the liberals is a lifelong liberal, but they don't mention that he's a liberal. Why? Why not? Because they know it would take away from his credibility, because they know it would show his bias. Goldenberg actually says something amazing. He says, there is a political correctness here. Nobody wants to go after an indigenous woman minister. It's become politically incorrect to question the former minister. Oh, holy moly. So the liberals play the race card when making appointments. They play the gender card. I understand one of the priorities for you was to have a cabinet that was gender balanced. Why was that so important to you? Because it's 2015. Yeah, right on. But when an Aboriginal woman criticizes Trudeau for being corrupt, well, she only got away with that because she's an Aboriginal woman. That's an incredible thing to say for a liberal. It sort of shows their whole identity politics game is a cynical ploy, and that at the end of the day, they don't really listen to anything women or minorities say. It's just their gender and race that they care about is window dressing. There was nothing female or Aboriginal about Jody Wilson-Raybould's decision to block Trudeau's interference in the SNC-Lavalin prosecution. Her race or her sex were irrelevant to that. Here's some more from the story. They quote a professor named Robert Bothwell saying, it's a pseudo scandal, it's crap. What the hell? You were doing business in Libya and you were not bribing, said Robert Bothwell. Hang on, didn't this same story a few paragraphs earlier say there was no crime, no financial scandal, nothing? And now they're quoting a guy saying, all right, fine. They paid $48 million in bribes. Sure, but you know, that's how it's done over there. Stop being so small time. Oh, and if you thought Goldenberg's racial critique of Jody Wilson-Raybould was weird, get this. The director of public prosecutions is also nuts, and so is Wilson-Raybould. These people are delusional. Delusional? It's against the law to bribe 
to, to be corrupt, to corrupt a public procurement project, e either in Canada or in Libya, it's, it's illegal. And it's against the law to interfere in a prosecution of such corruption. That's illegal. But the Associated Press has found another old liberal to call Jody Wilson-Raybould and the head of public prosecution, who also happens to be a woman, by the way, to call them nuts and delusional. Maybe they're hysterical. <laughs> he left that word out. Who is this weirdo? Bothwell. Look at him. Who's this weirdo calling everyone else weird? I'd actually never heard of him, um, but uh, I had a hunch. I thought, if you're, if you're trying to get this guy, well, I typed in his name to the big online database of Liberal Party donors, and would you look at that? He is a year-after-year, multi-thousand-dollar Liberal donor, if you add it all up. Funny how that wasn't disclosed in this story. Remember what Jody Wilson-Raybould said about liars in the media? running errands for the prime minister. He was like, quote, if Jody is nervous, we would of course line up all kinds of people to write op-eds saying that what she is doing is proper, end quote. Yeah, I guess we've found one of those shills for Trudeau, Rob Gillies and the Associated Press. Look, they're liars. They are a fake news factory. They mislead. They omit key facts. They spin. And I bet that 99% of Americans who read this story simply don't know any better. I mean, if you read an AP story from Greece or from India or from Thailand, you would take it at face value, wouldn't you? How wouldn't you? But because we're from Canada and we've been paying close attention to the story for weeks, we can see the facile lies that they're telling Americans. Americans should know they're being lied to by the AP. But Canadians should know it too. So the next time AP says they're fact-checking someone else, someone, something, anything, next time AP blocks your Facebook search, realize that they are the liars. And not just random liars. They're Trudeau's liars. Stay with us for more. As we started to see the direction of the voting, I reached out to someone close to me who was at the Javits Center where the big celebration was supposed to occur in New York City, somebody who had been working on the campaign. And um, I just sent him a note and said, are, you know, are you okay? It looks like it's going the wrong way. And I got back a very sad short text um, that read, people are leaving, staff is crying, we're going to lose. Uh, that was the first moment I really felt like we were going to lose. And it was this massive, like, kick in the gut that we were going to lose. And it was really painful. That's an excerpt from an internal Google YouTube staff meeting mere days after Donald Trump surprised left-wing Silicon Valley and won the 2016 presidential election. Senior executives at Google and YouTube were literally in tears, and they spoke about Hillary Clinton's campaign in the first-person plural, as in we, not she, but we, as if Google itself were an integral part of the campaign team. Well, that incredible bias continues to this very day. And joining us now with another incredible story on the subject is the same man who brought us those leaked videos of the Google staff meeting, namely Alan Bokari of Breitbart.com. He's the senior tech 
reporter over there. Alan, great to see you again. Another day, another great story about the politicization of the tech industry. Tell us a little bit about uh, the case of, and I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, Mike Walker or Mike Walker. Um, here's your story called Google Manager said company must stop fake news because that's how Trump won. Tell me a little bit about this Mike Walker and what he did to blow the whistle on them. Hi, Ezra. Good to be on. So um, this isn't a leak as such because the uh, the employee, Mike Wacker, has posted uh, his uh, allegations on Twitter. So this is a public allegation he's made. And uh, he, what he did was he uh, he's a software engineer at Google, and he went on Twitter and posted an email he received from a colleague with the uh, with the name redacted. And his colleague at Google says that when he posted a comment regarding fake news on uh, Google search, someone at the company then reported it to human resources, even though he didn't say he was you know in favor or against. Just he, he said he cautioned that we needed to be careful. Um, what happened next, says this Google employee, was his manager brought it up in his one in his uh, weekly one-to-one -one meeting, and uh, quote made him very, feel very uncomfortable for having an opposing view. And here's the crucial part: he then said, according to this employee, that quote we need to stop hate speech and fake news because that's how Trump won the election. Ah, huh. so this was. Is is Mike Wacker? Is he still working for Google? I mean, I, I we put his tweet up on the screen there while you were talking about him. So he's obviously going outside the corporation. He obviously can't get satisfaction of his concerns inside. Has he been sacked yet, or has he quit them already? Uh, well, his Twitter profile says he's still at the company. Uh, I have every reason to believe he is still at the company. So he is, I, I believe, an employee at Google blowing the whistle here. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, the last time someone was in this position, James Damore, who uh, in a very polite manner, I must say, um, in fact, sort of a nerdy, super polite manner, uh, talked about gender biases and how Google might address those in a way that wasn't, you know, anti-male or so. I thought it was a very thoughtful discussion. He was sacked right away. Do you have any reason to believe that this conservative dissident won't be sacked? Or do you think they're just making sure they have a, a legal pretext for doing so? Well, uh, Google has very little tolerance for any questioning of its political agenda. So, you know, this uh, Google employee certainly did a very courageous thing by coming out and uh, posting his concerns. Uh, the one thing that might save him here is that, you know, he didn't leak it to anyone. You know, he's not trying to collude with anyone. He uh, he posted it publicly. And uh, he says in following tweets that, um, uh, I'll just quote him directly, uh, in, in these situations, one should first make a reasonable attempt to resolve such matters internally. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a reasonable point to make. And then he goes on to say, in both this, this case and other cases, I have made a good faith attempt to do just that. However, those attempts did not resolve my concerns, which led me to my current course of action. Hmm. Um, and he talks about multiple incidents, multiple concerns, and many conversations that drove him to publish the email. And he says, you know, this is just a representative example. It's not an isolated incident. Others have had similar experiences. So what he's saying is, you know, this isn't just one isolated incident. It's part of a wider trend he's seen at Google. Uh, and two, he's saying that, you know, he first tried to resolve the matter internally before going public. 
Um, and I think that's you know, a reasonable course of action. You know, first you try and solve it internally, and then when that doesn't work, and if it's part of a bigger, wider problem, then I think it's fair to go public and blow the whistle. Yeah, I mean, he tweeted about human resources at Google, and when I think of human resources, I think of someone who's behaving badly, someone who's calling sick and, and isn't really sick, you know, someone who's maybe being sexually gropey or handsy at work. I don't think of it as a political hygiene outfit. I'm, I'm, rem I'm reminded that in the former Soviet Union, for example, on a battleship, they would have political officers as well as naval officers. They would have like a political hygiene inspector making sure everyone on the battleship was being a good communist. Like they would, they would have bizarre counterproductive things just to ensure ideological conformity. It sounds like the HR department at Google isn't about normal HR. Let me read this quote from Mike Walker, or Wacker, or Walker, I don't know how to pronounce it. Here's the one, again, this is from your story, Alan. In particular, HR, human resources, is not impartial. Their actions provide clear and convincing evidence of favoritism, and they have abused their power and authority. Uh, it sounds like HR is how they dress up their political purges. They say, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't politics. This is just uh, HR. Yeah, that's actually what I've heard from, uh, you know, many of my own Google sources have said the same thing. They've been saying the same thing since 2017 when James Damore was fired. And um, you mentioned his case earlier. Uh, in fact, one of the things that came out in his lawsuit was that uh, when an employee threatened to hound Demore over his non-progressive viewpoints, uh, Google uh, Google's HR department not only failed to take action against the employee who directly threatened him, it actually ended up firing Demore instead. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, Google has you know it, it tolerates Antifa inside the company. You know, Antifa obviously this violent organization that regularly threaten and intimidate and in some cases, you know, physically attack members of the Republican Party and conservatives. Um, you know, we've reported in the past on, you know, wide, widespread Antifa sympathies within Google. That was also something that came out in the Demore case. Hmm. Uh, so there's clearly this double standard at Google where the most radical form, uh, radical forms of uh, left-wing behavior, including, you know, pretty violent extremist left-wing behavior is tolerated, whereas, you know, moderate conservatives, um, not even moderate conservatives, you know, James Damore doesn't describe himself as a conservative, he's uh, just a political moderate and independent, get uh, fired for questioning progressive narratives. You know, I... Uh... I can only imagine what it's like to work at Google. We see pictures of their offices and it looks like these, you know, very progressive workplaces where there's beanbag chairs and, and lots of, you know, pinball games and it's very childish, frankly. Uh, and maybe they want that childlike sense of discovery. Maybe that's a good way to run a company. I don't know. Um, but I also think about the dystopian uh, view of what it might be like to work at a tech company. I don't know if you ever watched that science fiction movie called Ex Machina, which was modeled after, like, I mean, it's a very clear um, homage to Google and this sort of bizarre, quirky bosses. And in this case, uh, in, the, in the case of Ex Machina, I'm sorry to talk about science fiction, but it, it was a dystopian view of how all their employees are sort of spied on by the company itself. And in that case, and I know this is a work of fiction, I'm just using it as an analogy, uh, that your cell phone is spying on you as you talk, which actually isn't that big of a stretch these days. 
I wonder what it's like to work in there. Is it, are you being constantly monitored, like you know that Amazon Echo or Alexa, or Google has a version too, I think. Are you, do you think that every keystroke you make is recorded, every conversation you have is listened to? I, I, I think a guy could go crazy with paranoia working in a search engine, trying not to be, to have his own mind probed for political, I mean, not a probe, but like, like, can you even have a private conversation at Google? I, it, it feels like a creepy place sometimes. Well, when you talk to employees inside these companies, they do sometimes come off as paranoid. And, you know, certainly every single tech source I know uh, uses some form of secure encrypted communication to contact me. They don't use any Google products. Uh, they use apps like Signal um, and Telegram, which are end-to-end -end -end encrypted. They don't collect any data. And uh, the reason they do all this is because they know the tech companies, you know, it's, it's not just science fiction. Uh, you know, they, uh, cell phones are listening to you and collecting your data. Uh, and inside Google, you know, I know that, uh, and one, one employee was actually fired over this. They do monitor what uh, your, your, your keystrokes, essentially, they monitor what you search for inside the company. Um, so if you search for the uh, wrong thing too many times, um, then uh, you might get fired. I believe one employee um, uh, was search, search was you know curious about the James Moore case and was searching for files related to it, uh, and he, he was fired just for that. Wow. So uh, yeah, Google is. If you're an employee at Google, the, the general assumption is yes, they are watching you. They they know what files you're accessing. They know what searches you're doing inside the company. Um, everything is locked. Wow. You know, I mean, I, I can understand a company having privacy and a company wanting to know what the employees are doing in general during work hours, but that truly sounds like a place that breeds paranoia. And I think, on the other hand, you know, I, if I may be permitted one more tangent, you let me talk about a science fiction movie for a minute. Perhaps you'll give me one more tangent. And I know a, a fair number of people who used to live in the former Soviet Union. and. The Soviet Union uh, trapped a lot of people who were free thinkers, free talkers, even just plain old eccentrics, even people with a quirky personality. They would run up against trouble right away. But whereas it was oppressive to eccentrics or people who cared about freedom, it was like a petri dish for those who had an authoritarian streak within them, sociopaths who gamed the system and realized, oh, I can thrive in this authoritarian regime. I can work the system. I can be an informant and tip off the KGB or in East Germany, the Stasi. I can use a security pretext to get rid of a rival, a personal rival, whatever. And so it trapped the, the best of people and it brought out the worst in other people. I bet Google has a perverse culture within it that rewards surveillance and snitching and tattling. It's just the more I think about what it would be like to work there by this tweet from Mr. Walker and what James Damore went through, it sounds like a terrible way to live. Well, yes, I mean, it, it's sort of like a... Um 
a more extreme example of you know what we see uh, with the, with ordinary people on uh, on social media and you know and conservatives in the media as well. You know we have these sort of professional hall monitors almost now in the media, whose job it is to monitor the, you know Twitter feeds of people like you and me. Uh, for you know any anything that can be turned into a negative story, anything that can be used to deplatform us, um, and you know Google face uh, conservatives inside Google uh, face a very similar situation where they're constantly watched by far left colleagues for uh, anything that can be reported to HR, however slight. Uh, there was one employee we reported on who uh, was for, reported to HR for sharing a National Review article internally. Oh my God! Uh, you know, national review. That's wrong yeah, thing. You know, I tell you, you get me going here. I, I, I was. We've been charged with an offense in Alberta uh, for putting up a billboard that the government didn't like, and it, it reminded me of something I learned in, when I was a kid during the Cold War, and I recently confirmed it. Alan, you probably know this that in Romania, you needed to register your typewriter with the police. You had to take it to the police, you had to apply for a license, you had to explain why you needed a typewriter, and you had to give them a sample of how that, because each typewriter has a, a slightly different, uh, like a fingerprint of how the keys would hit the, you had to leave a sample with the police in case your contraband typewriter was found to be writing same as that. So that's, that's an insane way to live, but at least you could sneak a typewriter, you could hide one, um, you can't hide from Google. You cannot hide from Google. No, I actually didn't know that about Romania and the typewriters, uh, but it, it's potentially much worse today because uh, to you know, the more the, the, the our versions of typewriters today, things like Google Documents, uh, Gmail, uh, not only uh, not only does Google control them all and can ban you from them at any time without any recourse. Uh, you know, everything you type on there is monitored. Like when you draft an email on Gmail, uh, Google knows what you've written, even if you haven't, even before you've sent the email. Uh, so if you imagine, if you imagine the Romanian government being able to track every keystroke of it, every citizen that bought it, that uh, had it, owned a typewriter, uh, that would be uh, the equivalent of Google. Yeah. So it's actually worse than what uh, what Romanian communists were capable of. Yeah. Well, I tell you, this has been a very depressing conversation, but Alamut reminds me again, and I don't say this just to flatter, I say this to everyone I meet, that you, I believe, are the most important journalist on the most important beat in the free world right now. And I know that sounds like an over-the-top statement, but it's a theme we come back to time and again on this show. I truly believe our freedoms are at stake and our politics and our democracy, and I thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you, Ezra. All right, there you have it. Alan Bokhari, the senior tech correspondent for Breitbart.com. I encourage you to read his latest story about the one Google employee who had the courage to go public. Stay with us, more ahead on The Rebel. Welcome back. You know what? I received a phone call this morning at 7 a.m. I was up. Uh, it was from Tommy Robinson in the United Kingdom who said, as I'm on trial tomorrow, and I sort of forgot to mention it to you. I said, what are you talking about? You've got your contempt of court case on March 22nd. He said, no, mate. We've also got a case in Peterborough in the United Kingdom at 10 a.m. tomorrow in the county court, but it's Tommy on the offense. He's, he's suing the Cambridgeshire police for harassing him. 
he was out at a football game, that's what they call soccer over there, with his family, and he was having lunch in a restaurant with his family, his wife and kids, and the police barged in, there must have been half a dozen, and just sort of in a shocking mood, get out of here, get out of here, get out of this, get out of town, get out of this restaurant, and he was like, what are you talking about, what are you doing? And he had the presence of mind to film it on his phone, and his kids were screaming and crying, and he was saying, what have I done wrong? And the manager of the restaurant comes up and says, he's just sitting here, there's no problem. And the cops eject him and frog march him out of town. It was insane. And Tommy's suing them, and that's actually going to court tomorrow. And Tommy called me up at 7 a.m. this morning, and he said, as I just realized, there's not going to be any reporters there uh, that I know. And if the BBC sends someone, obviously they're there to bury, not to to report accurately, can you come? And I said, oh, brother. I mean, I, I love to come, but you know, there's a short notice starting the week by totally rearranging the week. So I said, fine. So uh, actually, I assume, by the time you watch this, I will actually be on an airplane um, going to the UK. I land first thing in the morning, and then I drive up to Peterborough. So I'll be there at 10 a.m., be a little sleepy. And I'm going to cover this case. And I think it's important because it's Tommy hunting the bad guys instead of being hunted. And he tells me the police have tried to settle with him a few times. Obviously, they don't want the information coming out. They were wearing those body cams, which I think is a great innovation. It protects both people, citizens and the police from lies, right? And Tommy says that he's seen some of the body cam uh, footage where one of the cops who was harassing his family later says on tape, what are we doing here? This is so wrong or something. Anyway, I'll let you know what I see in court tomorrow. So I'm not going to be here. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'll come back Thursday night. So I'll be back in the studio on Friday for my regular nighttime show and for my battleground show, which I do at 12 noon on, on Fridays, Eastern time. But uh, of course, we'll have the show. We always have a show. The show must go on. Sheila and or David Menzies will cover the bases Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for the nighttime show. And I am sure they will have clips from what I'm doing in Peterborough. And if you want to get all my updates from Tommy's trial, go to TommyTrial.com. So that's why I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I hope you accept my judgment that this is the right thing to do, not only editorially, but politically and to help Tommy. And I just think that I said, well, could we get someone else to go? He says, as you got the legal background, you know my case and people trust you on the Tommy file. I said, yeah, that's, that's right. I should go. So that's where I'm going. Let me know what you think of that. Tune in tomorrow when Sheila or David cover Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'll be back Friday. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.